0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, or if there's anything going on in your life that you have questions about, or that you'd like advice on, we'd love to talk with you. And we'd love to pray for you with your prayer request. So give us a call. The number to call is 303 690 It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of you who are tuning in. No matter where you're tuning in from, we know that there are so many of you who are listening live right now on Grace FM. We're broadcasting all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Pueblo, Colorado. So if you're listening on Grace FM, welcome to the program. We're so glad you're with us today. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on our syndicated uh, broadcasts on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just great to see how God is growing this ministry and reaching um, more and more uh, areas of this country. And, and we know that people even from outside the country are tuning in via the app and the website. And by the way, if you don't have that app yet on your phone, or on your tablet definitely go get it just go to whatever app store your device uses and you can just type in grace fm there's an android app and an iphone and ipad app and you can uh, just type in grace fm it'll come right up and you can download that to your device and you can listen wherever you are in the world i was saying last week and i'll say it again this week that um, i've been traveling a lot lately and as i've been traveling I've been able to connect with people from all over the country and outside the country and I've been talking to so many people who use that app and they listen to this show and other shows on Grace FM through the app and um, one guy was, he's in the San Juan Islands, his name's Joe, Joe if you're listening, hey glad that you're tuning in, glad that you guys are listening up there, San Juan Islands in Washington. And we know that we have people listening in California and in Arizona, Florida, places like that. So however you've tuned in today, we're so glad you're with us. And uh, if you don't have that app, definitely get it. Because as you travel around, you'll be able to continue listening to these programs and be able to tell other people you know about them. So we're so glad that you're with us. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If there's something you've read and struggle to understand, we'd love to hopefully help you understand it. And if you have a prayer request or something going on in your life, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, the number to call, once again, 303 690 It's 303 Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, just a few words about myself, and then we'll go to our first caller. My name is Nick Katie. Once again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And if you are in Longmont or in the surrounding area, we are in downtown Longmont, so we're just right in the heart and the center of the city. We're just um, we're at Longs Peak and Kaufman, just the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, which is um, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is. Uh, 7th Avenue if you're going by numbers but Longs Peak Avenue and then uh, Kaufman Street so we're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park in the St. Vrain Memorial Building the address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue so 700 Longs Peak Avenue and we gather there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m and if you're in Longmont or you know people who live in Longmont friends and family we would love for you to send them our way or if you're in the area yourself Come and worship with us. We'd love to have you visit us. We'd love to have you be a part of what God's doing. Really a special thing going on at Whitefields. Um, I'll tell you more about that later, but just uh, it's a it's a good season at Whitefields, and we'd love to have you come and be a part of it. We love to study the Bible verse by verse. We have a great worship ministry and a great children's ministry. Um, our website, if you'd like more information or if you'd like directions, listen to some past messages our website is whitefieldschurch.com, that's whitefieldschurch.com, and you can also hear us every weekday here on Grace FM on uh, at 2.30 p.m., so 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, we have a show that airs, and uh, then also on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., so if for some reason you're not able to make it to church on Sunday morning, tune in Grace FM, you'll hear our studies there, but you can also hear them every weekday at 2.30. Our show's called Life in the Field, and that's an allusion to the fact that we live our lives on God's mission field. Um, We're currently studying through the Epistle of James on Sunday mornings, which has been really good. And this past Sunday was Palm Sunday. Um, Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. We'd still love to hear from you, so definitely give us a call. You get to tune in the following week and listen to yourself on the radio, which is an added bonus. But So uh, for those of you who are listening locally and live, uh, this past Sunday was Palm Sunday. And we we were studying through James, and I just saw this amazing correlation between James chapter 4 and what happened with Jesus on Palm Sunday. And he uses this word, James does, he refers to Jesus as the judge who saves. And that phrase, man, that just filled me with so much emotion, just blew my mind, and we just delved into what that means. How is he the judge, right? A judge's job with those who break the law is to Give them what they deserve, justice, and yet we have a judge who saves, and the way that he saves and is still just is because he gave himself, and oh man, it was so good. So yeah, feel free to check that out on the website, whitefieldschurch.com, and this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday, and there's two things I want to tell you about, and then we're going to our callers. We've got all full lines, which is awesome. Two things I want to tell you about. Saturday, morning, we are hosting, we have the privilege of hosting every year the largest Easter uh, festival in Boulder County uh, Colorado and so we're here at Longmont's in Boulder County and we host this uh, it's like an Easter festival that's that's what we now call it because there's so many aspects to it but it's one of our biggest outreaches of the year we usually draw uh, somewhere around 2,000 people um, to the city park in Longmont which is right adjacent to our church building and uh, it's called Roosevelt Park and so this Sunday, this Saturday, I'm sorry, this Saturday, April twentieth at ten a.m. We will be having our Easter festival, and this includes egg hunts for the kids, and it includes uh, you know inflatable bounce houses and slides. We do face painting, and we do arts and crafts with the kids. We have this uh, this craft that. Um, these ladies in our church do and while they do it it's a way to share the gospel with the kids then we do a puppet show and the puppet show also shares the gospel message with the kids and it's just kind of this great event for our community in a way that we can tell people about Jesus and the hope that we have because he is risen from the dead so we'd love to have you if you are in the area or if you know people in the area let them know about it it's this Saturday April 20th from 10 o'clock a.m. until 1130 and a lot happens in that hour and a half so we'd love to have you there make sure you're there at 10 um, so you don't miss out on any of it and Grace FM is actually going to be there as a uh, well it's not really a vendor they're there they'll be there giving out t-shirts and stickers and free stuff and getting to connect with the community so you know there's so many people listening to Grace FM here in Longmont and so we would love for you to come out and connect with them as well. And uh, yep, nothing for sale, by the way, at uh, at that booth. It's all for free. So if you like free stuff, which I'm guessing there's one or two of you out there who do, then uh, that's the event for you this Saturday, 10 a.m., Roosevelt Park in Longmont. And um, yes, absolutely, the grace of God is free. I just got a text message of that as well. Absolutely it is, and that's what we'll be celebrating and hopefully introducing as many people to as possible. Um, And then the last thing before we go to our callers is this, that this coming Sunday at Whitefields Community Church in downtown Longmont, we have two services, 8.45 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. So 8.45 and 10.30. The first service is a family service. So that means the kids are inside. It'll be a little bit shorter message and geared towards the whole family. And then the second service at 10.30 will have a full children's ministry. So that's birth to eighth grade. And we would love... We would love for you to join us at one of those two services, whichever works best for you and your family. So 845 and 1030 at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont this Easter. We would love to have you. If you need a place to worship, then come worship with us. Check us out online for directions, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Chris in Fountain, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program.
3: Hello, sir. Uh, good to hear you. May God bless you. And I appreciate you guys on the on the radio station uh, helping us all to have fellowship. But I have awesome. a question, sir, about—this um, regarding about heaven. Um, okay, so we make it to heaven, we get judged. Uh, some people go into the pit; the other people uh, get to go to heaven, which is here on earth. Um, so we're here on earth for a thousand-year reign with the Most High Heavenly Father. Okay, so why does the Bible say, after the thousand-year reign with the Most High Heavenly Father here on earth in heaven— um, that the devil will be loosed again to tempt again. So if we already made it to heaven, why did we get to be tempted again?
0: Yeah, and so here's the deal. There's a bunch of assumptions in what you've just said, um, and I agree with some of them, but I think that the, there are some parts of your assumptions that are creating the issue with why you're wondering why Satan's released. But I'll just say this. No matter how you view that, it's a question. Why is Satan released at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. So let me just yes, give sir. you, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I might try and iron out some of the wrinkles in what I heard, and then yes, I'll sir. answer that question about Satan. Okay, so what it's describing is this, that there will come a time when Jesus will return to the earth. So about the going to heaven part. Um, now, I, I, I'm guessing that what you're referring to is the rapture, right? So that... It talks about how Christians will be caught up from this earth and taken to be with the Lord during a period which is called the Great Tribulation. And during that time, it will be a time of God pouring out wrath and what we call temporal judgment on the earth. At the end of that seven-year period, which is known as the uh, Great Tribulation or the Tribulation, right? So half of it is known as the Great Tribulation. Uh, then Jesus returns with his saints who rule and reign on the earth with him for a thousand years. So that's how that whole timeline works out. So that is Revelation 20 that talks about the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, during which time Satan is bound for that thousand-year period. And then it says, though, that at the end of that thousand-year period, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. And it says Gog and Magog will gather uh, them for battle, their numbers like the sand of the sea, and they march up and they, they surround the city of Jerusalem, but fire comes down from heaven and consumes them. So what's happening here is that it's saying that at the end of this thousand year reign of Christ, right, where we, who are saints now, will return with him and we will rule and reign for a thousand years with him on the earth. At the end of that time period, Satan will be released. So that means that during that time period, he's bound. That's literally what it says in chapter 20, verse 2. And, and then it says there, that will lead to this great battle surrounding the city of Jerusalem, in which God will then defeat the enemies of Jerusalem, and the devil will be, um, will be ultimately judged. Um, and it's the, the throne judgment of God happens after that time when Satan is released after the thousand-year period. So that's where I think your timeline was a little bit, um, little bit, I guess, misordered. But I'll... okay, so
3: so I'm sorry to interrupt you, sir, but so so okay, so Jesus comes. He's going to come twice. He's already been here once. He's going to come again. So you're saying that he's going to come, and there's going to be a rapture. He's going to you're going to, you're going to be raptured up with him. He's going to leave and then come back again, that's three times.
0: Yeah. So in the rapture, it's not truly the return of Christ though, right? It's the catching up of those who are, uh, believers now to take them out of the world during the time of tribulation. Okay. So, uh, so we refer to the second coming as the time when Jesus will come back. Okay. So that's, so yeah, there's not three comings. There's a second coming. Um, now, your question is, why would he release Satan? I think there's one really good reason, and that is that um, during that time, thousand years, right, when Satan will be bound, there, there are people who are living without uh, temptation, without, you know, seeing evil in the world, and it's actually going to be important for people born during that time to encounter those things and then make a decision to truly follow Christ. And so I think that's all. It all it kind of comes down to. And then finally, there will be that last battle, where um, where the armies will be defeated. Yes, sir. Awesome. You did. So I, I believe it'll be a, a test of faith. Is really what I think it comes down to.
3: Yeah, but I, I'm just. I'm still not, I'm still at loss. So I can never get nobody to answer. It's just such a hard question, because if you already made it to heaven, and and, and everybody else that are sinners are, are put in the pit. The only ones that are left are those that made it to heaven. So after a 1,000 years, they're they, they, they are going to be judged again. And
0: no, I don't no. understand so that. are already made it to heaven. Right. So that's where your timeline is uh, a little skewed. Is that's that the the, okay. the living and the dead will be resurrected after that time of Satan being released.
2: Okay. Yes, yes. So right those right 1,000
0: I... years, this is what you should understand. The 1,000 years is not a reference to heaven.
3: Oh, you just gonna? We're just gonna reign with him. Well, it ain't actually. We're not actually made it to heaven just then. So it's. We're still gonna have to wait a thousand years. We'll get to live with him a thousand years, but we still have a chance to slip up. Exactly. Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> that just opened up <laughs> another few questions. But I'll get back with you on that. And Pastor, okay. I appreciate you so much, and I love you, my brother. Um, and I love everything that you guys are doing. And and I have a. a, a a statement for somebody out there, I don't know who it is, please don't give up. The Most High Heavenly Father loves you and He could take care of you. Please Amen.
0: don't give up. Awesome. Thanks for that message, Chris. God bless you. Thanks for the call. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 336 zero eight nine seven let's go to robert in thornton colorado pastor yeah, sure.
2: so, the question that i have for you today sir um is um my i've always been taught that the book of the bible is from genesis to revelation and then at the end of the bible you know it says if anybody takes away from this or adds to this book that they're going to feel god's wrath uh essentially but um a good friend of mine the other day came up to me, and he was like, hey, have you read the book of Enoch? And I said, uh, no. I was like, what, what book is that? And he's like, well, it's the very first book of the Bible. And I was like, no, the very first book is Genesis. And he, he tried to tell me that, um, that no, it's, it was before Genesis, and then man took it out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's uh, I was always taught that that's not true. And I wanted to get your take on that. And the man that I that, that brought this to my attention, he's a very respectable man. I have the most respect for him. So I want to be able to talk to him with the most love and not be, um, I mean, how's the word, you know, I, I want to be respectable when I talk yeah. to him about this so that he doesn't get offended.
0: Yeah. Okay, so. The Book of Enoch, what is it? It's what's called an apocryphal book, and it's also what's known, and now this is probably some matter of dispute or discussion. It's also what's known as a pseudographical book. And so what that means, a pseudographical book, means that something which uh, claims to be written by a particular person but was not actually written by that person. So, for example, uh, this was something that happened a lot in the early Christian Movement is that you had people who had what we consider heretical beliefs, right, and which were deemed by church councils to be heretical beliefs. And one of the ways that they would try to legitimize their beliefs is that they would write a book. So we have stuff like the Gospel of Thomas, which was a um, Gnostic writing. And it purported to be written by Thomas, the disciple of Jesus. Now, why would they purport to have it be written by Thomas? Well, because that would make it seem like it had apostolic authority, which was one of the criteria upon which they uh, determined canonicity, meaning which of the Bible should are legitimately inspired by the Holy Spirit and meant to be scripture. Um, And so but that was a very common practice, right? So whenever you wanted to legitimize your beliefs, like if I had some wacky belief, right, and I want to make it seem legitimate, then here's what I would do. I would write something and then be like, oh, hey, guess what? We discovered this new writing and it's written by the Apostle Matthew, you know, or Matthias and And uh, he wrote this and, oh, the church has overlooked it, but we need to add it to our knowledge. And it has, oh, and by the way, it backs up my weird doctrine that I had. And so that legitimizes it. So that's the idea behind a pseudographical book. Uh, That's what Enoch is considered. Uh, It's also obviously apocryphal. And that means that it's not considered part of the canon. It's an extra book. Um, Here's a few things to know. Is that uh, the book of Enoch... Uh, refers to something which has only been found, by the way, in the Ethiopic language. So that's really important, right? And so, you know, that there was a, a strand of Judaism that went down to Ethiopia. Even just recently, I was in Israel, and there are a lot of Ethiopian Jews in Israel. And there's the Ethiopian Jewish movement. There's also the Ethiopian Christian movement. Obviously, the majority of the country is Christian. But I think it's worth noting that uh, Ethiopian Judaism and and Well, let's just stick with that. Ethiopian Judaism has differed. It's kind of diverged in a way from mainstream Judaism. And the fact that this book is only found in the Ethiopic language uh, should be assigned to us that this is not a canonical book or an inspired book. The other reason we don't believe this is inspired by God is because the Jewish people never considered it inspired by God, um, You know, even if there was knowledge of it, which there clearly was, right? Because Jude mentions this book in his writing. So Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, Jude verse 14, it mentions something from the book of Enoch, which means that the book of Enoch was known, and yet just because Jude refers to it doesn't mean that it's necessarily canonical, right? So he's referring to something which would have been known in that culture. Now, I I can make references to plenty of things, movies, popular music, um, popular books, but that my reference to those things doesn't legitimize those things as being inspired by God. I can use an example from those things to make a point, but that doesn't mean that it's inspired by God. Um, In fact, there are other examples in the Bible of people um, quoting from, you know, um, either what we call apocryphal writings or writings that are not found in scripture. Um, One of those would be Titus one verse 12, where uh, Paul quotes from Epimenides. It doesn't mean that we give additional authority, right? To Epimenides writings. So um, to end the, to land this whole plane, uh, I'll tell you two things. First of all, Genesis isn't the first book of the Bible written. Uh it would be the book of Job was most likely written before Genesis. So there's that. Uh the okay. reason this guy probably believes that Enoch was written before Genesis is because Enoch lived before Moses lived and Moses is the writer of Genesis. Um you know, that's that's good logic. The the whole question is what is this book of Enoch? Why is it not included in our scriptures? And um, there are a few things we know about the person Enoch, right? That he was a prophet of God, that he uh, preached, right? We're told that um, in the New Testament. And yet uh, we have no reason to believe that the book of Enoch should be taken canonically or, or understood to be inspired. Furthermore, we know that like at the time of Jesus, it was not included in the canon of Scripture. And one of the reasons we know that is because it was not found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, so among the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have a copy of every book of the Old Testament except for Esther. And, um, and then several other writings, but that was not one of them. So I guess, you know, how do we determine? So New Testament canonicity was determined um, by certain criteria, but it was based on the understanding of Jewish canonicity, which means... The Jewish understanding of what was inspired scripture, and no Jews ever write recognize the book of Enoch as being scriptural. There are a lot of writings out there, and a lot of writings that were um, that were respected writings, but that doesn't mean that they're canonical. So that's a different understanding. It means that they're inspired scripture for the purpose of all the things that Second Timothy tells us scripture is for, right? Like reproof teaching training and righteousness these things
2: great Well, that, that totally answers my question i appreciate all the information that you just gave me yeah
0: absolutely um, robert thank I hope you, you have a thank you pastor, with for, your friend. for your time absolutely god bless you thanks for holding all right bye-bye you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado Taking your calls and texts on the air today, we've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Angie in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Angie. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. What's up?
4: Um, I have a question. Uh I know about tithing, but I am kind of have a question about if you receive an inheritance or a gift, does that tithe need to go to your church, or can you bless another organization or person with that?
0: Yeah, so I'll just speak strictly about tithing, but then I want to give a couple caveats on it. Um, I think that the, the heart of the tithe, in the Old Testament particularly, was that the tithe was in... in intended to be given to the ministry of the tabernacle and then the temple. And so that tithe was brought in like um, Malachi. Sorry, not Malachi. Uh, Yeah, Malachi, actually, it is. So he um, says, you know, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And that's the idea. You know, of course, it was grain at that time was mostly what people were giving as tithes uh, because they were farmers, right? So it's 10% of their yearly income. And so they would um, bring that into a literal storehouse. And they would, and then, you know, the temple, uh, people in charge of that, the Levites and stuff, they would use that, either sell it or use it for, you know, needs in the temple. But the point is that um, it was centered around the worship of God in the temple. Now, we have a little bit different situation nowadays uh, in a couple ways. One is that in Israel, there was one temple. Um, whereas we are dealing with, you know, local churches that we belong to now in, in one way that principle still remains because those local churches have costs and they have needs much like the temple did. And so we bring our gifts into the storehouse and use them for the work of God's work through for worship and for the furtherance of the gospel through the local church, um, so that's that. Now, uh, we're going to go to break in about 60 seconds, so I'm just going to give you a heads up. And you can hang with me through the break, or I can just continue answering your question on the other end. Um, but just a, just a heads up that we'll probably have to take a break here in just a minute for two minutes. Okay. But, um, yeah, so the New Testament principle is really this, that I believe that the principle of tithing still remains true much like the principle of the sabbath in the sense of that <coughs> excuse me that Jesus fulfills the sabbath and yet the principle of taking a day of rest to worship and rest is a very good principle that we should continue doing so in the in the same way i don't think that tithing is a law that we must follow <coughs> as much as it is a principle that we are wise to follow the new testament principle or law you might say is that we give generously and that we give with the right heart. And I'll I'll answer directly your question about your inheritance on the other side of the break. We're going to go to a break. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have two open lines right now, so give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. The text line again 720 720- 336-0897. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If there's something you've read in the Bible that you're not sure about or something going on in your life that you have questions about or a prayer request, we'd love to answer those questions and pray for you. Uh, so give us a call, two open lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go back to Angie in Denver who had a question about tithing. Hi Angie. Right. Um, so. Angie, to directly answer your question about um, your inheritance, I think that you have the freedom to give that to whoever you want. Um, and I think that you'll be within, you know, the biblical commands, which are, in the New Testament particularly, be generous just as God has been generous to you in Christ. In other words, and, and you know, use what God has given you for the furtherance of the gospel, and so I think that if you know you know a great Christian organization or the such, you know, that you would like to give that minute, that money to, I think that would be a huge blessing to them. And I think if you have a conviction to give it to your local church, I'm guessing your local church would be hugely blessed by it as well. Uh, I just so think you have the freedom. Much,
1: but, it, you know, I, it's, it's not like you know, but um, I do tithe regularly, but...
4: I just
1: feel like I would rather give this actually to a mission uh, family mm. to um, Calvary Aurora that awesome. has touched my heart. So I was, you know, I, just had, I was conflicted about it, and so this yeah. answers my question. Thank you. Yeah,
0: and so, you know, Angie, i just tell you this. I think that really the principle of the tithe applied most particularly to regular income. So it sounds okay. like... Yeah, and so I think on this in this case, not only uh, I think that's just one more reason why I would tell you that I think you have the freedom to uh, spend that as you prayerfully consider. And um, yeah, I think that um, I think that missionary family would be very blessed. You know, my wife and I were missionaries for many years, and uh, we would have been hugely blessed by something like that.
1: Okay, that's good. Thank you, Pastor
0: Nick. You bet. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air, we have all open lines right now. So we went from having full lines and nobody able to get through to having completely open lines. So if you were trying to get through earlier, now's your chance to call in. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. 897 Once again, the text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. 897 We had a question texted in in regard to um, why does the Bible say that God is a jealous God, and what does that mean? Uh, it's a good question. You know, I have a friend of mine who is not a believer, and I remember talking to him about this once, about the Bible and, and telling him about my faith. And he told me that one of the things that really tripped him up about the Bible was that it says that God is jealous, and he thought that was um, weird for a few reasons. One of the reasons he said it was weird is because he knew that there were other places in the Bible where it says that jealousy is a sin. And so, for example, it says that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, (coughs) jealousy is listed amongst Uh, other sins, like idolatry, enmity, strife, and it mentions jealousy, fits of rage, you know, rivalry, dissension, division. In other words, so jealousy is listed amongst a list of bad things that we should not do. And so my friend, you know, was asking the question, well, then how can it be that, uh, the Bible then, God describes himself as a jealous God. And, um, And the answer to that question is really this, it is two understandings of the word jealousy, and we really need to differentiate, uh, you know, when we, between these two forms of jealousy. And uh, one of them, I'm just pulling up some notes right now as I answer this question, one of those forms of jealousy is what we would also call envy, so it's like a synonym of envy. And that is the kind of jealousy that the Bible is very clear on saying that it is not Good, right? So jealousy is bad. Uh, so feeling envy uh, towards someone for their achievements or their advantages. But there's another definition of jealousy which is really positive, and that is uh, defined by the dictionary as this: being fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. So let me read that again, because this is really what the Bible's talking about when it says that God is a jealous God, fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or, or possessions. See, the, the reason why, um, when it comes to like, the reason why there's a problem with, let's say, jealous boyfriends or jealous girlfriends, right, who get really upset when their boyfriend or girlfriend is uh, talking to someone of the opposite sex and they, they get really upset and then, you know, that can be a problem that, oh, it's a jealous boyfriend. And uh, the reason is because you're dealing with something uh, that you don't have a right to be jealous over because it's not yours. In other words, there's no covenant relationship, right? The problem with that there's is that there, there's, you're trying to assume or presume more of, of that relationship than actually exists. I hope that makes sense. Um, you remember that with God, though, like in James chapter 4, there's this sentence that says this, that God yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. And that's actually really good news. See, see the reason why people think that jealousy is a bad thing and and it often is a bad thing, clearly like Galatians 5 tells us, is because jealousy speaks of insecurity. It speaks of pettiness. But with God, it's the other kind of jealousy, being fiercely protective and vigilant of one's rights and possessions. Uh, And it's that idea that God made us. He created us. He put uh, life inside of us. And therefore... Uh, When we go astray, this is why it's such good news. He's jealous over us in the sense that he doesn't just passively sit by and say, okay, well, whatever, if you want to do your own thing and reject me, then fine. And, and just kind of moves on with his life. No, he, he wants you. That's what that means. And that's really good news that he wants you and he pursues you and, um, and so that's the idea. And I think it's more akin, you know, to marriage because really God describes his relationship with his people. He compares it to a marriage. He calls himself the husband of Israel and he calls Israel the wife of Jehovah or the wife of Yahweh. And in the New Testament, we're called the bride of Christ. He's called our bridegroom. And so, I, you know, I think about it with my wife. It, it is a, where it's not appropriate for like a boyfriend, girlfriend to be jealous because, You haven't made a commitment, at least not on the level of a marriage. But when you have made a commitment on the level of marriage, yeah, I think it's appropriate that you love your spouse with a jealous love. Not that you be envious, petty, uh, that kind of thing, like small-minded, but that you, you be fiercely protective of that relationship, and you don't let anyone or anything come that would Divide the two of you who God's brought together. That itself is a beautiful and passionate and and good thing. And so when it says that God is a jealous God, understand that's what it means. It means that God doesn't just tolerate you. He doesn't just put up with you, but he's fiercely passionate in his love for you. His love is a love which pursues you, that doesn't give up on his relationship with you. And I'll just finish by reading this verse from Song of Solomon, one of the most beautiful passages about love in the Bible. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 7, say this, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death jealousy is fierce as the grave it flashes or its flashes are flashes of fire the very flame of the lord many waters cannot quench love nor can floods drown it that's the kind of love that god has for us it's that un, unquenchable you know it's that jealousy fierce as the grave it's jealousy in the good sense of um being fiercely protective and vigilant of one's rights and possessions. So I hope that answers your question. Um, it's actually a very beautiful and good thing that God is a jealous God and describes himself that way. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, Longmont, Colorado. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Again, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720 336 Nine, seven. Let's go to our next caller, Doug in Commerce City, Colorado. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the program.
1: Hello. Thank you for taking me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um,
2: my question is about First John uh, chapter 5, verse 17, um, and it discusses, uh, John's talking to a church, um, and he's saying that not all sin leads to death. Yeah, And I was doing a Bible study with a kid, and I've talked it over with a couple guys, and I've read through the whole book a couple times and gone online. Um, and it, it kind of seems out of place right there for what I'm looking for, but I'm guessing that's just the sin of the redeemed, that mm-hmm. our sin has already been covered. Um, I was just looking maybe for some clarification on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've had questions about this before. In fact, this was one of the questions that I've kind of had on my list of uh, questions to answer when when I have a chance. So, um, yeah, this is from the book of 1 John. And he's talking Mm -hmm. about uh, sins that lead to death, and he's contrasting them with sins which can be forgiven. Right? And so... Yeah. Yeah, so it's that idea of... um, you know, he says, for example, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and he doesn't specify any particular kind of sins. He says, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, yeah, so the way I understand this, and I had some notes on this in the past that I'm trying to find, um, but a sin leading to death, uh, it seems to me, as a sin for which there can be no forgiveness, right? So, mm-hmm. let's we'll put it this way. If, if anyone sees his brother committing sin not leading to death, he shall ask God, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. And he says, I say that no one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Okay, so what he's dealing with is this issue that there is a sin which cannot be forgiven. Now, so I would correlate that with what Jesus had said about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So right. that that's what I would say. Now, we had a question last week. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Again, these are areas where we have to take the whole of Scripture and see what does the whole mm-hmm. Bible say about this issue. And on this issue of um, the sin that cannot be forgiven, it would be the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the reason it can't be forgiven Is this the the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to repentance? And so, if we resist the Holy Spirit's calling us to repentance in other words, we refuse to repent of our sins then there is Mm -hmm. no other way for us to be forgiven, which means we can't be forgiven by doing acts of penance, we can't be forgiven by paying amounts of money, or going to church a certain number of times, or being really, really, really nice to people. In other words, there's no other way for us to um, for our sins to be atoned for, other than what Jesus did for us, and the only way for us to receive that is by responding to the call of the Holy Spirit and um, humbling ourselves before God, confessing our sins, receiving forgiveness and grace. So I hope that makes sense. Sin not leading to death would be any sin which can be forgiven, which it would right. seem is every sin except for the rejection of the Holy Spirit or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Well, I very much appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. I thanks. know it's a it's a tricky wording on that, so yeah, thanks for the Yeah, time.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate all you guys do. God bless you, and I pray for you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines, and the number to call is 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let me tell you about a cool thing that um, I'm involved with. It's called Expositors Collective. I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but uh, I wanted to tell you about a few uh, about a f- recent event we had and just kind of let you know about some cool resources. So I'm involved with this group, Expositors Collective. It started a year ago when a good friend of mine, Pete Nelson, out in California, um, started this group and invited me to be a part of it. And so it's a group of... Uh, pastors and leaders around this country and even outside of the U.S. who have a passion in their hearts for raising up the next generation of Christ-centered Bible preachers. And so what we do is we do two things. We host these training seminar weekends, and we've done four of them over the past uh, 12 months. We've done four events. Uh, Our most recent one was just two weeks ago in San Diego, and we have our next one. We already have our dates for our next one. It's coming up in September, and it's going to be in Howell, New Jersey, which is about an hour south of New York City and kind of near Philadelphia. So what we do is we do these training weekends. They're um, you know two-day immersive learning experience where we get pastors from the area where we hold the events to come out and we train young people in. know all aspects of preaching from homiletics to you know how to break down a passage of scripture and divide it up and then you know how to present it how to create an outline and then also aspects of character and uh, finding your voice and letting God use you so it's a it's a great thing and we've seen God use it in the lives of hundreds of people so far over this past year and it's uh gaining momentum really picking up speed I just had a big um conference call meeting about it today, planning our New Jersey event. So the dates for that are September 20th and 21st. So maybe some of you who are listening on the East Coast, make note of that. Um, Our website is being updated at the moment, but do check out our website as well, expositorscollective.com. So expositorscollective.com. And we're going to have more information on that website um, as we get closer to the New Jersey event. But we would love for young people... Uh, in that New York, New Jersey, um, and into Philadelphia area, come out for the Expositors Collective. Uh, we keep the cost really low, and it's just a time where pastors, you know, on their own dime, come out and they pour into young people, young men and women, that's an important aspect of it, um, who are interested in becoming better uh, Bible teachers and presenting God's Word, or even knowing how to uh, divide the Word rightly for themselves. So expositorscollective.com. Now, I told you we had two aspects of it. I told you about one of them, which are these training weekends. Um... The other really cool aspect of this is that we have a great podcast. And so the podcast includes interviews. We've interviewed several guys from here in Colorado, including myself and Pastor Ed Taylor. Uh, We did one with the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Greeley recently. And so that is going to be airing soon. So definitely check out that podcast and whatever podcasts uh, app you use. Just go in there and search Expositors Collective, and it should come up right away, and we'd love for you to connect with us over that. Let's go back to our call lines. We've got uh, Jim in Greeley, Colorado, online one. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, My question is, um, in the Bible it says, uh, if there's any sick
3: among you to to go before the elders of the church and have them pray for you, anointing them with oil. Well, um, I've never... How come that's not practiced in the church nowadays? Because I've never seen that take place. I I mean, they are prayed for, but I've never seen them anointed with oil.
0: Yeah, Jim, I think that's going to depend on the particular church you go to. And um, so it's really hard for me to answer why. Your church doesn't do that. I know that, um, you know, that's a practice in many of the churches that I'm familiar with. And it's exactly because of that verse in James 5 that encourages anointing with oil. Now, let's remember what the oil is and what it symbolizes. Oil in itself doesn't have any uh, magical properties, right? So it's not like it has any kind of extra spiritual properties. Here's what the oil represents. It's like so many things in the Bible where it was what we might call a touch point. In other words, it's a tangible thing that helps draw out the faith of the person. Furthermore, in the Old Testament particularly, the oil was a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so we remember that it's the work of the Holy Spirit um, that does these miraculous uh, manifestations of God. We see that throughout, like for example, 1 Corinthians tells us that very clearly. And so um, I, it's a it's a good practice. It's a biblical practice, and I think it should be done when we pray for people. And um, you know, in in a lot of the churches that I'm familiar with, uh, somebody will come up, they'll be sick, and they'll be anointed with a little bit of oil on their forehead, applied to their head, and prayed over. So, um, you know, Jim, that might be a good question for your particular church body, or maybe there are others listening, and that's something that they can talk to their church leadership about um, and ask if they do it or why they don't, that kind of thing. I'll tell you that, you know, in, in our church and other churches that I'm familiar with, um, it is it is something that is practiced.
3: Okay. Well, thank you. That clarified it for me. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless you, Jim. God Thanks bless you. Me. Have a nice day. You too. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got... About nine minutes left in the show. and one, oh, we got two open lines right now. The number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Rebecca in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Rebecca.
4: Hi. Um, what can we do for you? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I still feel lost. And my daughter... My youngest child, her name's Aslan, and she's very lost. She's 12 years old. She doesn't know whether she's atheist or a believer. And this comes from my one and only son that's alive. His name's Jesse, but he goes by the name Kira. He castrated himself in my home. Um, my other son, Christian Josiah, resides in heaven where the Lord is raising him. And then I have an older daughter, Nicole, and she doesn't know where she's at. And I need help. Yeah. I suffer in pain all the time, and so my daughter, Aslan, does not believe there is a God because I am not being healed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's pray for you, and then maybe I can speak to some of those things, but let's pray for you first. Heavenly Father, I pray for Rebecca. First of all, Lord, I pray for her healing. Um, Lord, it sounds like she's in a lot of pain, and Lord, we know that you know our pain. You're acquainted with our uh, sorrows and griefs. You walked our streets. You felt our pain. You, You wept tears as you saw suffering and death with your own eyes. So Lord, I pray for Rebecca, Lord, that you would have mercy on her and that you would heal her body. We pray for Aslan, her daughter, Lord, that you would help Rebecca to lead her in a path towards Jesus, that you'd help Rebecca to point her towards Jesus, and that Aslan would truly see and understand, believe, and be saved. And um, Lord, I pray that even these difficulties of seeing difficulty in life and hardship, Lord, they would not be things which cause her to not believe. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Rebecca, I would really encourage you with your daughter to help her to understand that we live in a broken world, and there are times when God manifests his glory, but those are aspects of his grace. And grace, here's what that means, right? It's an undeserved gift, and a gift uh, doesn't have to be given. It's not required of the giver. It's something that the giver can give or doesn't have to give, and it's their prerogative. And that's how Mm -hmm. grace works. And I would just encourage you to explain to your daughter that even if you're never healed, that that doesn't uh, detract from God's existence nor God's power. One of the right, greatest that she verses. Right.
4: condemns me for being a Christian because I believe He'll, you he will heal me.
0: But well, yet, Rebecca, you will be healed. The question is, will you be healed in this life, or will you be healed um, in the life to come? And let me I pray. I that it'll
4: be in life
0: to come. Well, I guarantee you, if your faith is in Jesus, it will be in the life to come. But let me tell you this. If you were to be healed in this moment from this affliction, which I honestly pray that you are. But if you were to be healed from this, it's only really a matter of time before you have some other affliction, which eventually takes your life. Isn't that true? I mean, think about this. Jesus raised somebody from the dead, raised Lazarus and, and a couple other people, actually, from the dead. And then, where, where's Lazarus now? Guess what? He got sick again a couple of years later, and he died, and that time he didn't get raised from the dead. Is God That's still true. powerful? Does God still loving? Does God still exist? Absolutely. Yes, and, and because the fact in the, in the
4: hereafter, he will be raised again.
0: Absolutely. Our hope is not only in uh, experiencing God's power and grace in this life, uh, as far as healing goes, but it is in the life which is to come. That is what our hope is in. I would really encourage you to level with your daughter on that line. Say, hey, look, even if I was healed, I'm going to get sick again, and eventually I'm going to die unless Jesus comes back uh, before that. And uh, our hope needs to be in something beyond just uh, feeling better in this life. Right. Re- well, Rebecca, we're dealing I've with a, a lot of more.
4: child suicide right now, and uh, it's hard.
0: I'm sorry. Um, Rebecca, I've got one more caller uh, before the end of the program. Uh, thank you for that, and I'm glad that we got to pray for your daughter, and I would just encourage you to point her towards Jesus in the ways we talked about. God bless you. God bless you. Listen listening to Calvary Live. Let's go to Alex in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi Welcome there. Welcome to the program. I
1: have just questioning. question. Uh, so I've recently started, started a Bible study with my family, okay. and many of them are deep-rooted in beliefs that do, that I believe, are uh, symbolic of paganism. And okay. as we're reading, they try to persuade the reading to, to be what they believe it is. Okay. So my question is, uh, if you have some good advice or some good chapters that we can dig into to kind of help uh, open their minds to maybe turning away from that belief more so,
0: Yeah. I mean, paganism is kind of a a very broad term. Um, What kind of paganism are we talking about here?
1: So I I, I feel um, I mean they're very strong-rooted in the Catholic Church. And not saying that that's wrong, but a lot of things that I believe not to be so worshipped, it is that way. (laughs) So,
0: Well, um, if you're talking about the yeah. So I, I assumed that you were talking about something like Wicca or something like, um, you know, worshiping the earth or created things. In which case, if anybody's listening, that is what they're questioning about. I would point them like, for example, the Romans chapter one, which talks about the what we call the opposite of evolution. We call it the devolution of man. Right. Where so people get into sin and they devolve into worshiping created things like the earth etc. So R- Romans 1 is a great chapter if you want to talk to somebody about that. If you want to talk to somebody um, as far as regarding uh, Roman Catholicism, I, I would say that the bigger issue is, is not just maybe some, some pagan things which have been um, brought in and Christianized through the Roman Catholic Church. I think the bigger issue with the Roman Catholicism is there, it's a different mode of justification. It's a mode of justification right. which doesn't just look to Jesus and what he accomplished on our behalf on the cross, which is received uh, by faith alone and it is through grace alone that we're saved, um, but it's rather an issue of... Um, believing that there's some aspect of our works that save us. And so in that case, I would go to like um, the book of Romans chapters one through eight. And I would go to a place like the uh, epistle to the Galatians and really that the, those two uh, together really deal with that issue. I have to let you go because we reached okay. the end of our show. Uh, thank you for calling in. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Have a great evening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.